Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path podcast, a podcast about kick-ass women who found the clarity and courage to carve their own path. I'm Willow, your host, transformation coach, and NLP practitioner. Each episode, I'll share personal stories alongside candid interviews with women who have boldly stepped into the unknown. Expect to hear juicy topics, messy truths, and extraordinary journeys. My hope is to inspire your inner risk taker to stop overthinking and start taking action towards carving your own path. Now, onto the show. Thank you for being on the first episode of Carve Your Own Fucking Path. You are so fucking welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I have Kate Visconti joining us all the way from the other side of the world in Auckland, New Zealand. Kate and I, we met several years ago in San Francisco, and I've pretty much been following you since then on social media. Same. Um, You're you're a brilliant traveler and photographer, and I am honored to be on your podcast, so thank you for asking me. Thank you. And I just love, I mean, you're very open and shameless and hilarious online and in real life. Um, you, you post a lot about your fitness and your health journey. You're a stand-up comedian. You've just recently made this massive move all the way to New Zealand. So yeah, I just want to hear more about your unconventional path. You inspire me and I think you inspire others. And that I think propelled you to then write this blog, Two-Faced Kate. Yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about that and a bit about your journey. All right, great. I'm very honored and humbled to be here. I do want to express extreme gratitude and appreciation for my readers and people I've inspired and um, always give back to my community because of those who've inspired me to strive to be the absolute best me I can be. So Mm -hmm. I love that. If you could do a quick bio. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm 44 years old. I spent 38 of my 44 years in the general Columbus, Ohio area. For those who don't know much about Columbus, Ohio, it's relatively small uh, population um, surrounded by a lot of rural land. I grew up on a farm um, very much in what most of the world would consider a poverty (laughs) scenario. I was very focused on getting out and studying and getting away as fast as I possibly could. So I made it an entire 30 miles away from home (laughs) to study at at Otterbein University. Uh, The original goal was to be a psychologist and in some weird shapeshift, I went to become an English teacher. And and the best way to put it, I was making absolute shit money, working crazy hours, probably three to four jobs during the school year uh, just to make ends meet. And so I started pursuing a master's degree and one of the part-time jobs was at a bank. At that bank, I um, begged and pleaded for a full-time job worthy of um, a degree and went into corporate training and uh, very quickly moved my way around that, that Midwest Regional Bank and through lots of fun stories that I'll share probably within this podcast, made my way to running the number one strategic initiative of the company in 2010. And that got me into consulting. Um, In consulting, I ended up having the opportunity to make what I'm referring to in the latest blog post as the big four, because I moved, made four very big moves uh, geographically and from a, a job perspective, Um, which now has landed me at a big four consulting firm, PwC, in New Zealand. So that's a very quick recap of 
how the fuck I ended up. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, you know, if I said, oh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Would you say a teacher? So actually, I remember the very first thing I ever wanted to be when I grew up was to be a bus driver. And then I slowly transitioned into wanting some, for some reason, to be a nurse. And then you went corporate. Well, yeah. So I guess the thing about teaching that I should share, <laughs> that you mentioned I'm a, as a stand-up comic who, in my 40s, um, not in my own words, but in many other people's words, I look like I'm in my early 30s. And so when I was in my early 20s as a teacher, I pro- I was mistaken regularly for a 12 to 14 year old. <laughs> oh my God. Well, <clears throat> and so in the corporate world, I mean, it sounds like motivating people, inspiring people, speaking has been something that you felt comfortable doing, leadership, yeah, things like that. So I'm just going to segue more towards like personal life. So during all this time you were married, right? Yeah. So I met my ex-husband in 1999. So from 24 to 38 years old, we were together. We had a great relationship that was from the outside looking in, like not the perfect marriage, but you know, we had our struggles very early financially because I was a teacher my ex now ex-husband he worked for like a fiber optics company and then got laid off right after we bought our first house and I was really trying to motivate him to go back to school and so I think there's this fine line you know where I I talk to a lot of people I coach Mm -hmm. and and a good segue to some of what I'm passionate about is that anytime you're coaching or trying to inspire other people that there's a really fine line of making sure they know they are absolutely great just as they are. And I don't expect them to be any better or any different than they are, but that if they want to be more and there's something I can help with, I Mm -hmm. want to. One of the things I found most importantly in my career for the last, the last four, well, actually, so I've had four jobs, um, all four of them where I was heavily pursued for the job based Mm. on performance and network. Where mm-hmm. a lot of people in this day and age, if they are unfortunate to lose their job or be in a position where they're actively seeking something else versus being sought out, that it's really difficult to differentiate yourself reactively. If you can do it proactively, mm-hmm. that person ends up coming back to you for who you've demonstrated to be not in a moment of desperation. If you don't need a job right now, you just know you're going to be unhappy or want something new in the near future. I absolutely love introducing the most random people to each other. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) You had asked me via text, like when I kind of had a moment of clarity and I'll never Mm -hmm. forget. I was in this, I don't know how to describe this role. It was such a boring job for a very short period of time. And I was in this meeting, which anyone in the corporate world listening to this can probably relate where the meeting was so unbelievable. Why are we in this meeting? This is the most Mm -hmm. boring thing in my life. And I started counting around the room who had glasses and who didn't have glasses and and who has kids and doesn't have, and I'm just like thinking- Who you would hook up with (laughs) if you wouldn't. Yeah, Mary murder. (laughs) What is, yeah. what is it? Mary fuck murder. I, I was like, yeah. 
so not paying attention to a damn thing that I was like, oh my fucking God, I have got to do something about this situation. And so I was directed by a friend to read a, a very specific book, which I always hesitate to recommend this book in a public forum, but I'm going to anyway. There's a reason I hesitate. It's called The Gift by Shad Helmsetter, mm. who's most famous for writing What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. And as you know, my whole blog is about mm -hmm. self-talk. And so- Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> in this book, it's basically the 12 <clears throat> tools we all have equally in life, regardless of gender, socioeconomic status, geography, like everybody has these 12 things. Like mm. for, exa for example, everybody has 24 hours in a day. There's nobody oh, got who it. has more or less time than anyone else. So it's how you choose to spend that time. If it's mm -hmm. on the sofa watching Game of Thrones and that's your choice, that's totally fine. But don't complain that the person who chose that hour to work on an invention or go to the gym mm -hmm. or volunteer at a soup kitchen, like everybody has a different experience um, within those 24 hours. So right. the one that struck me was the concept of surrounding yourself with successful people. Mm -hmm. And if you're always like the best in your group, then you're probably their inspiration. But how do you then Im improve yourself? So after I read this book, I started reaching out to people at my company and say, you know, hey, you seem super happy and successful. Can I take you to lunch and kind of pick your brain about your career? I did this one by one and everybody kept saying yes. And before I knew it, I had sat down with every single executive in the company, excluding the CEO, working my way up from like junior resources. And it was like 45 people by the time I was done. Wow. And I had such this like new network of people who, like I said, when you do this proactively and don't need a job, all of a sudden I get this job offer to come run mortgage marketing when I had no mortgage <laughs> and no <Yeah>. marketing experience. <laughs> Love it. And so I get to go like do this absolutely like scary ass job where I'm just like, I literally have no fucking idea what I'm doing. They're just telling me to do shit and I'm like, I'll make it up. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know, maybe, maybe it'll seem innovative because I literally <sighs> have no clue what's going to hold me back from this because I have no self-limiting beliefs because I have no idea what I'm doing. So you didn't have self-limiting beliefs about this specific job, yep. right? But it sounds like in general, I mean, we can segue and go into courage as well because a lot of people would have imposter syndrome they would I'm not qualified you know we talk ourselves out of so many things but that sounds like self-limiting beliefs which well I well, heard you... this this story <clears throat> once that was amazing about self-limiting beliefs and it was of this old farmer who heard about this like huge like hundred miler race in the backwoods of Australia and he's like oh I want to do this and he shows up in like his farm gear and all these like young athletes are dressed like with their Nike sponsorship stuff and they're about to set off on the race and they see this like old farmer in overalls and like galoshes about to go on this race. And he doesn't know the rules. He has no idea what he's supposed to do. So he just takes off on this little shuffle. And long story short, he wins the race because he didn't know mm. he was supposed to ever stop. <laughs> and they all like stop for the night. So... <laughs> 
So, so but ignorance is bliss. Exactly. <laughs> oh. So when, I remember when I first started um, telling people I was going to move to the UK in March. Um, and then when I told everybody I was moving here, they're like, you're so brave. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's such an interesting adjective because is there something I'm supposed to be afraid of? Like, I'm, I'm just moving. It's just a mm-hmm. plane. It's just a plane ride. Like, it's no big deal. And so what is, what's the term you just mentioned? The like imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. or like, you know, with anything that, you know, just a little bit more than your audience, as long as you believe in what you're doing and it has a positive intent, I never intend fake it till you make it to be disingenuous or inauthentic, but as long as you know, as much of your content as possible, you only have to know a little bit more than somebody else to be inspiring to them just to have mm-hmm. the courage to be in front of the room. Yeah, I love this. I think so many of us, including myself, stop myself. Oh, I'm not an expert. I don't have, um, I'm not educated enough to do this or all these, again, self-limiting beliefs and then choosing not to do it. Well, and, and I so think they- a huge piece of it, fake it till you make it, you also have to be passionate about mm. you know like there are certain things willow we have to fake it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. with a little bit of passion <laughs> yes <laughs> so i think one of the most interesting things that um probably the best analogy i can say is if you've ever been to a Cirque du Soleil show mm-hmm. and you and you see these people doing these crazy feats of acrobatics I always think how did they practice that without killing themselves and so there's like all these learning techniques leading up to it or with my fitness coach he's trying to teach me how to do a muscle up and he has to break it down into these little pieces there's that old saying too of like eat the elephant one bite at a time and before you know it you've eaten the elephant but we all look at the whole elephant or look at that muscle up and try the full act all in one time and knowing how difficult this move to New Zealand has been if I had done this at 38 as my first move from Ohio, I probably would have already come home. Mm. But moving to Boston with three dogs and a network I already knew, and then moving to California with two dogs and a network I already knew, and then moving to London with a big network and a support system at the same company, entering into a new, 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 new scenario of new job, new country, new home, new furniture, new friends, um, would have been a little bit, a lot, you know, too much to bite off, but mm-hmm. kind of testing yourself incrementally and training for it. <laughs> like nobody takes off to run a full marathon with no training, right? Courage is a big one. I also heard that when I made the move abroad to Portugal, um, people said, you're so courageous. I never, ever thought of myself as courageous. I thought, well, this is the, what I want to do. And I don't see another option, meaning when I say life or death, like it was absolutely this gut feeling. And have you felt in your life, like the courage thing? I mean, let's segue into the stand-up comedy. I mean, that's absolutely (laughs) sounds terrifying to me, but for you, it's, you know, I'm just curious a bit, like a short sort of version about how you, you got into, yeah, the comedy. Yeah, that's a great question. And first, before I move right into it, I will have to tell you, I do you think you're super fucking courageous? Like oh. when, I, when I first met you and then I see like, where are you right now? And you're like, oh, I'm in Portugal or, oh, I'm in like 
I don't even insert random country here. And I'm like, I'm going to be like her someday. <laughs> so oh thank my you. gosh, so flattered. <laughs> um, I was class clown in high school. So I've just always found laughter and some of it being quick witted and, and ha- always doing a play on words. Like I think in the Shakespearean way of things, I love making, doing wordplay and, and making shit people say like, into something horrifically inappropriate just to make them uncomfortable. And it's always brought people close together or like in very awkward or uncomfortable situations where people are kind of quiet or timid. I, I feel like laughter opens up such a great forum. So in my competitive nature against myself, because I've always done individual sports. And so if I can possibly do better than the last time I got addicted to it, because it was like, Oh, I know I can do this better. Mm. And it's like cathartic. And of course it's absolutely terrifying, but it's so rewarding. There's this saying, you know, that whatever scares the shit out of you, but it excites you is absolutely what you should be doing. The most similar things in my life that I have to be totally honest about is I have the world's worst ADD. I I tried to read this Mm -hmm. book called The Power of Now. My mind (laughs) wanders and I start multitasking while I'm reading. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, I can't even be in the present moment for a book about being (laughs) in the present moment. (laughs) So I have to find things Mm -hmm. like downhill skiing extreme sports, power lifting, mm-hmm. and then comedy where you cannot be anywhere else but on that stage. And it's like present and mindful you can possibly be are in these moments where so I encourage everybody listening, if you have trouble being present, you're always looking at your phone and find something that if you played with your phone during this moment, you'd either die <laughs> or kill somebody else or yeah. miserably so that you can really experience like the present because it's so amazing i love i mean your little bio is like business professional professionally single working <laughs> up on my stand-up routine accordingly is that your um let's say your content is single life most favorite bit was all about entering the single world post social media mm-hmm. i do a lot about my weight gain and loss um One of Mm -hmm. my favorite shows, I talk about my blog that people will have to go read because it is a sensitive topic, but I made a very inappropriate joke about some childhood unfortunate issues. So basically it's observational and self, my life. Like people are like, how do you write your jokes? And I'm like, this is like actual Mm -hmm. stuff that's happened to me. You're putting it all out there. And it's interesting because I would always look at you as someone who is very, I mean, I said earlier, like shameless and confident you're posting pictures you know about you know weight loss and fitness and I'm like wow you're kind of like peeling back the layers you know that we all sort of live behind social media for me is I'm not that authentic and I think having a podcast I feel like this medium I just resonate more with I think now with your blog um, we're getting another side and that's the two-face that refers to that right this person that we see on the outside who's super confident funny successful in that, and then moving to New Zealand again from the outside, so many people, oh my God, living the dream. I'm, you know, I'm sure you've heard it all. And then you write this in depth on the other side, like this is what's really going on. And I want to just quote something because okay. I thought this was really powerful. <laughs> You're like, I do not have shit figured out. 
and my life is a series of eraser smudges and scribble marks that since very few people know my inner dialogue or maybe who have met me later in life have no idea what my younger days were like. I think maybe it's just assumed I have always been a happy, confident person who takes life by the horns and plows through struggles (laughs) with a vengeance. I think that says a lot. Because this inner dialogue is essentially what powers us and drives us in life. What have been some tools? And again, just to give the listeners an idea of what sort of things have been the most powerful. Oh my goodness. It's it's a heavy one. It's basically that I always have overachieved just to feel like I'm worth being seen. So my goal in life, it's to be everybody's favorite customer. (laughs) What I mean by that, as a servant leader, if I do everything in my power to be your favorite, it because I'm authentically seeing you for exactly who you are, doesn't always serve me well in a male to female Mm -hmm. scenario where the person who moved my furniture in (laughs) thinks I want to date him because I've probably been nicer to him than anyone ever (laughs) in the world or If Mm -hmm. you truly engage with people, maybe I can say it in the way I did on an Instagram post, something to the effect of if you act with kindness or truly engage with other people in a genuine area of interest, you're never poor and you're never alone. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest reason people don't take risks is because of fear and loneliness and like being alone. If you really know how to build relationships Mm. through actually caring about the other person more than yourself, that you can create a genuine bond um, Mm -hmm. that will last forever. Nobody knows, like I said in the analogy, if you don't show everybody all of that. And social media has just come to this place of only showing that happy final result and all of this greatness. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to share that. There's so much that goes behind it for every single person. Yep. We all, I mean, myself included, can look at someone and it's, you're seeing the highlight reel, of course, but thinking, oh, they they have it all figured out and there's been no struggle. It's just been an easy, glossy ride. It's totally a misconception. Maybe what Two-Faced Kate, the blog is saying is, here is me, butt-ass naked, no pretenses. This is just really what's there. And then I'll put the makeup and clothing on mm-hmm. to save you from seeing my <laughs> stretch marks and flab and wounds and scars. And just, yes, I've worked really hard for where I've come, but I couldn't have possibly done it without people who, who mutually inspire me. And so I think everybody who would listen to your podcast, who knows me, would know who they are. And I just... I'm super grateful for the people in my life who've supported me on my journey. Well said. <laughs> um, and I want to, I want people to be able to find your blog. www.thenumber2face, <laughs> the letter K, the number eight.com. Yes. Well, I wanted to recap now things that have helped you and that you've said, you know, were an absolute an essential part of your growth would be mentorship. 
essentially for people that are maybe they don't have the clarity right now. They're like, what, what am I doing? I hear this at all ages with people. Like, right. what do I do with my life? I hear this a lot. And personally, I've segued and my path has been anything but conventional or straightforward. So, okay. So mentorship and then self-limiting beliefs, really being aware of them and not letting them creep in because sometimes again, ignorance is bliss where you don't, you don't have a self-limiting belief in something because you don't know. So you were thrown into this job, you knew nothing about it, and you succeeded because you didn't let yourself get blocked by these self-limiting beliefs. Same thing for bravery. You mentioned people have said, you're so brave, but your belief is that, well, what are you supposed to be afraid of? <laughs> I think that's, I love that. It's like, is there something I'm supposed to be running from? Fake it till you make it. And you know, as long as you believe in what you're saying and doing, it has to come from an authentic place and you have to have a, you know, a bit of passion behind it. And then the rest will follow one step at a time. You can't you know, get to the top of the mountain or do the whole act in one go. You have to sort of build up to it. And then each step is going to prepare you for that big, whatever that looks like for you. And find something that forces you to be present. This is a huge one. And then act with kindness, genuinely, really engage with people and you'll never be alone being your true genuine self and like you just mentioned this judgment comment it's like who has it figured out more than anyone else really nobody so it's just how do we share more learn more from each other mm -hmm. and lift each other up instead of cut each other down well this has yes. been so much fun to talk to you well it's been so great to catch up hear your stories and i love your approach to life in general and i think humor is something we can all connect to follow her blog she faced kate <laughs> dot com. <laughs> All right. Sure. Thank you so Have much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. As always, my mission is to help light the fire under your ass to go out there and carve your own path. I truly believe you owe it to yourself to be courageous and unapologetic about what you really want. So I want you to subscribe where you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what you hear and want help finding clarity in your own life, I'm also available for private coaching and would absolutely love to hear from you. So send me a message on Instagram at carveyourown.path. And if you want to share your story or know someone you think would make a good fit, let me know. Cheers to carving your own fucking path, ladies.